0: May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia, and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. We pick up where we left off last week, discussing some of the claims made about chronic Lyme by a Lyme literate doctor. If you haven't heard the first two episodes in the series, it would be best to start with part one. This is the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz. I also am author of the book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain. I've been a doctor of over 26 years. I am a pediatrician, an internal medicine doctor and Diplomat of the Board of Clinical Lipidology and Lifestyle Medicine. My goal of the podcast is to inform, inspire, and equip those living with fibromyalgia, their loved ones, and the medical community. For too long, fibromyalgia has been ignored as a real problem without any real answers and real solutions. My goal is to use an evidence-based approach, bridging the best of both lifestyle medicine and medical management. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only. While I am a doctor, I am not your doctor. Make sure you discuss all signs and symptoms with your medical physician. And now on to this week's episode. The line literate doctor then goes on to make the following claims about fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. What's worse is that both of these conditions are considered disorders but not true diseases. Why is that significant? Because a disease is considered treatable, whereas a disorder is a label given to a collection of symptoms for which there is no known cause or treatment. Would you want to have a medical condition, whether we call that an illness, disorder, syndrome, disease, or infection, where you can't treat it? I wouldn't want that. Like I've said on this podcast before, it's very fulfilling to be able to fix or cure somebody. If you have an appendicitis and you're a surgeon, you can remove the appendicitis and cure them. If you are an orthopedic surgeon and do a hip or knee replacement for a severely arthritic joint and they feel a lot better after, that's very satisfying. It is also very plausible to consider an infection as a cause of Diffuse symptoms throughout the body. There is a condition called sepsis where you can have bacteria spread throughout the body. People will feel fatigued and run down, muscle soreness, achiness, among other symptoms. It's a very real and measurable problem. And better yet, there are antibiotics that can be used to cure it. There also are chronic infections such as hepatitis C that cause inflammation in the liver and can even cause liver failure. Fortunately, we have an antiviral medicine that now can treat hepatitis C. A leap occurs by drawing parallels to other known medical conditions and disappointments with a lack of empathetic listening and treatments often experienced in the traditional medical system by those enduring great hardships, including fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. While I don't know the heart of the doctor or medical provider and Whether it is intentional or a firm belief in the idea, it can appear to be deceptive despite evidence to the contrary. The commitment and acceptance of the patient to the diagnosis of chronic Lyme have been compared to an older adult who may fall prey to a fictitious request by a grandchild falsely imprisoned in another country who requests money to be freed. Each payment may further strengthen their belief, and when tens of thousands of dollars are sent, evidence to the contrary is not readily accepted. There also is a claim that 70% of those given the diagnosis of fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome don't even meet the criteria. This leads to disbelief and lack of confidence in the traditional medical providers and systems. And this is reinforced often by the lack of meaningful understanding And improvement in those who have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and sought treatment by the traditional medical system. However, when you look at the criteria widespread pain index and symptom severity score, as well as a detailed history, physical exam, and appropriate labs, it can be diagnosed very effectively. I would probably say it's more often underdiagnosed than being overdiagnosed. Several arguments have been made to support the biological plausibility of chronic Lyme disease and to justify its treatment with lengthy courses of antibiotics. One is that Borrelia burgdorferi localizes within the cells in the infected host and in that the antibiotics typically given to treat it do not penetrate the cells effectively. Aside from the fact that Borrelia burgdorferi predominantly occupies The extracellular matrix, the area outside the cell, the antibiotics currently recommended to treat Lyme disease are well established in treating various infections within cells. For example, doxycycline and azithromycin are first-line drugs for treating bacteria known as mycoplasma, chlamydia, and legionella, and doxycycline is the drug of choice for rickettsia and related species. Ceftriaxone is effective against Salmonella and Neisseria, both of which are predominantly within the cells. Amoxicillin is effective against Listeria, which is also predominantly within cells. Another commonly voiced argument is that Borrelia burgdorferi assumes a round morphology, variously described as cyst forms, spheroplasts, L-forms, and round bodies. These variants are said to be resistant to antibiotic treatment and require alternative antibiotics and dosing strategies. On close review of the literature, there is little evidence that these variants arise in vivo in humans, let alone that they are associated with chronic Lyme disease-like symptom complexes or require treatment. Very little microbiologic evidence supports persistent Bergdorffi infection in patients who lack objective signs of Lyme disease, such as erythema migraines, arthritis, meningitis, and neuropathies. Advocates for chronic Lyme disease contend that our ability to detect Bergdorffi is limited by current technology and an incomplete scientific understanding of Bergdorffi and that conventional diagnostic testing misses patients with chronic Lyme disease naturally this raises the question of why should we assume that chronic borrelia burgdorferi infection exists if we are so ill equipped to detect it even when chronically symptomatic patients have a well documented history of treated Lyme disease investigators cannot document persistent infection a recent study in which ticks were allowed to feed on persistently symptomatic Post-treatment patients yielded molecular evidence of Borrelia burgdorferi in one of 16 patients, and no patient was able to have the organisms cultivated. Studies reporting the retrieval of Borrelia burgdorferi from antibiotic treatment animals are indirect and have limited generalizability to human disease. It is impossible to create an animal model of chronic Lyme disease when this diagnosis is usually based on symptoms described by a patient. Rodents serve as a reservoir species for Borrelia burgdorferi in nature and may tolerate persistent asymptomatic infection. Some experimental studies use large inocula of Borrelia burgdorferi grown to a stationary phase. The organism assumes a more drug-resistant phenotype under these growth conditions, which may not reflect natural infection. Because validated testing methods fail to support the connection between Borrelia burgdorferi and clinically diagnosed chronic Lyme disease, physicians specializing in chronic Lyme disease often turn to alternative tests. These have included using novel culture techniques, detection of Borrelia burgdorferi DNA and urine specimens, and the enumeration of CD57 positive lymphocytes. Independent investigations, however, have discredited the validity of these tests. Some chronic Lyme disease advocates emphasize that chronic Lyme disease is a polymicrobial infection in which patients suffer from multiple tick-borne co-infections. In practice, patients with a diagnosis of chronic Lyme disease are often diagnosed with and treated for numerous superimposed infections, including Babesia and Anaplasma species, Bartonella hensile, which is not known to be transmitted by ticks, Pathogens of unclear clinical relevance such as xenotrophic marine leukemia-related virus and even completely fictitious pathogens such as protomyxozoa rheumatica. There is no evidence to support chronic anaplasmosis, chronic symptomatic babesiosis. When present, invariably, it's associated with fever and molecular or microscopic evidence of parasitemia. Bartonella species are readily identified in ticks, but there is virtually no quality evidence of tick-borne transmission to humans or simultaneous Lyme disease and Bartonellosis. It is important to recognize that in the context of chronic Lyme disease, a diagnosis of co-infection may just be as spurious. I have to apologize if that was too deep of a dive. For those of you who aren't in medical school or aren't physicians or other medical providers, or aren't steeped in the in-depth understanding of these claims of chronic Lyme. What we have in common is an understanding that there are many people who are struggling with chronic symptoms. To summarize, patients with symptoms attributed to chronic Lyme also ring familiar to the same symptoms those with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. To summarize, patients with symptoms attributed to chronic Lyme also ring familiar to the same symptoms that meet the criteria for chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. That begs the question, aren't these really the same with just different attributions? I now want to talk about a different condition that is not chronic Lyme, but it is post-Lyme treatment syndrome disorder. It is well recognized that some patients experience prolonged symptoms during recovery from Lyme disease and a subset suffers significant functional impairment. The most common complaints among such patients are arthralgias, myalgias, headache, neck and backache, fatigue, irritability, and cognitive dysfunction. Post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome is a condition in which patients experience symptoms of fatigue, pain, and cognitive difficulties that persist past the initial antibiotic treatment of Lyme disease, lasting over six months after treatment. Although the criteria for Lyme disease have been set, the CDC does not now provide guidelines for post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome. The lack of universal diagnostic criteria has made the number of cases of post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome extremely difficult to estimate at this point in time. Nevertheless, the number of Lyme disease diagnoses has been rising, and as the population of previous and current Lyme disease patients grows, so does the number of people at risk for developing post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome. The need for research in this field is based on the same reasoning as most other chronic conditions. Patients with post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome have symptoms that greatly affect their Day to day lives and the lack of evidence based diagnostic and treatment procedures is a huge roadblock to improving their situation. While post treatment Lyme disease syndrome has been formally recognized by the CDC and the European version of the CDC known as the NIID, the community has a scarcity of credible and comprehensive information and education on this condition. As long as this is the case, Physicians will not effectively address patients with chronic Lyme syndrome and they will continue to suffer without answers or proper treatment. When we look at the despair that patients with post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome are going through, they're likely to have impaired work, social, or family interactions. These patients have a great diminishment of well-being and health-related quality of life compared to people with other chronic illnesses. With the growing number of Lyme disease cases, relatively little is known about it. Researchers have not been able to identify why post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome occurs, what its predisposing factors are, and most importantly, how to diagnose, treat, and prevent it. As a result, patients as well as physicians have minimal guidance, which creates room for error and also room for non-traditional medicine to take their best shot at helping people get better. Due to a lack of effective treatment options, patients may turn to less credible or evidence-based resources, which some would say prey on their fears and desperation for answers and help. And for those of you who are listeners of the podcast, I talked about this a little bit with Margaret Mitchell, who wrote Gone with the Wind. She lived 100 years ago. And 100 years ago, infectious disease was getting in its prime. The germ theory was out there, and this whole idea that you could have this microscopic organism spreading throughout the body, wreaking havoc, was accepted. And then within a couple of decades, discovery of penicillin and other antibiotics was a game changer in the world of medicine. There is a significant satisfaction for a physician to diagnose people who have treatable infections. And with that background, I want to again reinforce that Those who are going through this have real symptoms, and they're having real pain, real brain fog, and real fatigue. And unfortunately, often are really dismissed and brushed off by physicians. Often they are shoved to different silos of medicine, and in this world they might be sent to traditional doctors in the infectious disease silo. And often, I have said that for many general doctors, a fibromyalgia patient is often the least wanted to see on their schedule because the average doctor doesn't know how to care for them. And I would imagine in the infectious disease world that someone who comes in with the post-Lyme treatment syndrome disorder would have a similar feeling as well. And those who would come in with a chronic Lyme diagnosis to a traditional infectious disease doctor would likely be brushed off as well. I talked more with Dr. Telfer about these troubling situations. I've heard that even infectious disease clinics won't even see somebody with chronic Lyme because they don't want to waste their time. So with that said, can you shed some more light into this whole area?
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: I want to briefly interrupt the podcast to inform you about the Fibromyalgia Starter Pack, which is now available. If you are new to this podcast, it categorizes the episodes in a way that it's more beneficial for those new to fibromyalgia. You can access the link in the show notes to learn more.
1: I think that all makes a lot of sense. I think a patient that has this debilitating disease, you always want an answer. You want something to blame and you know, if you had a recent Lyme infection, it's easy to say, like, Oh, I have Lyme or chronic Lyme, and I you know, and definitely there is probably some association I'm sure we'll talk more about infections and how they relate to fibromyalgia, but we're talking about a disease where there's lots of different manifestations of symptoms because of the disease, so we said that there was acute and chronic signs and symptoms of the disease, and that's when the bacteria is present in our body. but now we're talking about a disease that's real, pain that's real and symptoms that are real. but now we don't have that bacteria present anymore. The Lyme is not there in the body, but people are still having symptoms. And so people want to say this is untreated or I need more antibiotics but that's clearly not exactly what we need to do and and that's what this podcast is set up to talk about is in these scenarios, where people are having real symptoms and real pain, and they've been dismissed by various specialties. This one being dismissed as not having Lyme disease, but that doesn't answer the question, what do I have and how do I fix it? And so that's why we're here today to discuss this, is to bring awareness to these post-infectious syndromes. And in this one, is this post-treatment Lyme.
0: They have had patients and done randomized or placebo-controlled Trials to see if there are any differences in outcomes in post treatment Lyme disease with antibiotics and showed that there was no real significance in difference in symptoms. I just did a three part podcast series talking about paradigms and meta narratives and that overarching story. And we want to latch on to an overarching story to explain our symptoms. And part of this is medicine's own fault because we've done a great job in the last hundred years to explain medical problems you know, probably most of what you see in your medical residency, you can really share what's going on. Just finished hematology oncology. And there's such a robustness in how much research. And since I was in medical residency and to what's going on now, the treatment choices for chemotherapy are incredible. There's diseases that we can improve so much, unfortunately. We don't always cure people who are going through hematology and oncology problems, but at least we can have an answer and understand it. And there's not a huge controversy surrounding that. We're doing our best and scientists are trying to discover better cures for treating cancer. And when you're on the cardiology wards like you are going through now, you can see plaque buildup and all the blood pressure and all of the things. Robust research, especially in
1: cardiology. I mean, everyone around the world is studying cardiology and for certain medications, we even know specific people from specific countries that won't respond to medications because there's so much data. So it's cool that we have all that evidence for cardiology, but in these diseases that people feel uncomfortable about or that don't have clear definitions or don't have the money to back up all the research. You know, I think that's where we don't have all that evidence. We don't have all that support. And it's nice to be on those services like HEMA and cardiology because we have the answers. I've got the treatments. I've got tests and tools. And I don't have to live in the gray area. I don't have to live in the area where I know what we need to do to get you feeling better. Other doctors, they're going to tell you that what you're experiencing isn't real. I don't have to practice that when I'm in the hospital generally. And
0: that leaves the chronic Lyme, fibromyalgia type patient, almost like an orphan in no yeah. man's land where nobody wants to take this foster disease home. Everybody sort of kicked it out of their house and it's left in the street for somebody to try to make sense out of things. And some have said that leaves them prey towards medications that don't have the strong evidence to support their outcomes that lead to high expense. I had a couple of patients just in the last year who found me who were spending tens of thousands of dollars on treatments for chronic Lyme. When actually the regular doctor had never made that diagnosis, didn't have the testing that showed that, but went to a Lyme literate doctor who then did some special testing to show that they actually did. But there were all these different supplements. One was given getting IV ozone therapy. One was getting treatments, chronic antibiotic. Lots of supplements that were being used. I had a patient who brought in a grocery bag full. She had... Been told she had fibromyalgia in the past, but her doctor said, Well, you can try some duloxetine that's a generic for cymbalta didn't give education on what fibromyalgia was, discussion, and tried a dose. Maybe if she got 10, 20% better, but didn't even know that she might only get 10, 20%, 30% better on that, and not expecting the cure, like we get with acute Lyme and then was just muddled up with these chronic persistent fibromyalgia symptoms, then got self-referred or found a Lyme literate doctor who then said, oh, we got the answer, we know what's wrong, and then being told, okay, you have this meta-narrative. you've had this chronic Lyme, and then was getting treated. She was struggling and she was having to take so many pills in the morning, literally like a cereal bowl full of supplements that, To get them all down, she would feel sick with all of the supplements she was downing in the morning, let alone the cost. She was spending out of pocket tens of thousands of dollars, racking up bills, insurance wasn't covering. When I saw her, we were able to diagnose and treat her fibromyalgia and tie things together under that understanding and is now doing so much better. But if there's not other doctors out there making those connections and giving those explanations, they're going to be left frustrated. And maybe with long-haul COVID, which I think carries a lot of overlap with other potential triggers for fibromyalgia-related problems, that unmasking of maybe a predisposition, there's lots of money being put into COVID research, obviously, with the major impact it's had in the world financial and life impacts that more understanding will go into that but again often when you're doing research these end up getting in silos right where Mm -hmm. somebody's trying to find oh was there an infectious disease talked on a blog about how with long-haul covid they found that all the acute inflammatory markers within a month were gone And yet there are persistent symptoms, and I think that carries over so much for acute Lyme. You can have that acute cytokine release, and the symptoms, the infection is cured or gone, yet people have persistent symptoms. This is where discussion about post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome comes into play. What is it? Post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome is a condition in which patients experience symptoms of fatigue, pain, and cognitive difficulties that persist past the initial antibiotic treatment of acute Lyme disease lasting over six months post-treatment. A study that came out earlier in this year, 2022, looked at this illness. I had mentioned on a previous episode that it is satisfying to treat those who have acute Lyme disease because they get better. However, not everyone gets better quickly. John Hopkins Lyme Research Center put out this important study. This is the largest peer-reviewed, prospective-controlled study in the U.S., that specifically focuses on the longer term outcomes of early diagnosed and promptly treated Lyme disease patients. Results found that functionally impairing persistent symptoms occurred in 14% of the early treated Lyme disease patients compared with 4% in the healthy control group. Results confirm that Lyme disease can trigger persistent symptoms such as severe fatigue, body pain, and cognitive difficulties despite early treatment with standard of care antibiotics. We will talk about this in next week's episode, but I want to leave with these thoughts. What are the core symptoms of fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome? They also are fatigue, brain fog, and pain. As research into COVID and long haul COVID continues, we can find similarities with the findings With chronic Lyme, post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome, Gulf War syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome, and fibromyalgia, for example, these appear to be the same problem, but with different apparent triggers. I hope the podcast and book, Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, play a part in finding answers, solutions, and hope for those struggling. If you have not already, please leave a five-star rating, review, and share with others. This will help more people, their loved ones, and the medical community find conquering your fibromyalgia. Until next week, go Team Fibro.